70 record closing highs so far for the day. Blasting through a ceiling. In a record-setting IPO. Investors who have been riding the wave. When the stock market is booming, we're made to believe the economy is booming. But the stock market goes, so goes the wealth and the health and economy. So what exactly is the stock market measuring? Capital FM, good evening. This is a beautiful Tuesday evening for one of the best shows that we have at Capital FM. Financial Forecast, a show that delves into matters, economy, finance and money matters. And today is actually a very, very special show that we have. But before we get into it, our Financial Forecast is proudly sponsored by Exness. Now, Exness is the world's largest retail broker now licensed in Kenya. They are doing trade forex, gold, oil, stocks, and indices online, all from the palm of your hand, with the Xness app available at the Google Play Store, Apple Store, and Xness is proudly licensed by the Capital Markets Authority in Kenya to provide you with security that your funds are safe and accessible. And trust me, we need our funds safe and accessible. 24 24 hours, 7 days a week, with free deposits and withdrawals. And remember, only locally licensed brokers can ensure your money is safe. You can register at www.exness.ke and through the Exness apps today. And join over 500,000 traders worldwide who trade with an edge with Exness. Terms and conditions do definitely apply. My name is Nyambura Ndomo, and I am joined by Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics. And today we also have a special guest who Ken is going to introduce. Ken, how is your week and how are you? I'm very well, uh, Nyambura. It's always a pleasure to be here mm-hmm. uh, to have this session of Financial Focus. We love it. And indeed, today we have a very special edition. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a chat with Janet Kimani. Uh, Janet Kimani is a co-founder yeah. and director of Levanta Africa, where she works with clients to achieve measurable results from their communications and business development activity. Her experience cuts across corporate communications, market research, and entrepreneurship. She has built corporate brands, managed complex communications, and changed management, not just in Kenya, but across the East African community. And she has held key positions in a variety of industries. to mention, to add to that, she's a graduate of the Strathmore Business School mm-hmm. and has a completed the executive program at Witwatersrand in South Africa. And today we're going to have a very interesting discussion with her on the issue of women as an economic force. You know, Nyambura, we always talk about labor as a factor of production. Totally. But women form 50% of that labor force. So welcome, Janet. Thank you. Welcome, it's an Janet. honor to be here. Yes. Thank Karibu you. <laughs> Looking forward to such an interesting conversation later on you are listening to us on 98.4 capital fm you can catch us online at www.co.ke slash listen live we appreciate your comments your feedbacks your, your your question you know any input that you have on x you can get us on our whatsapp line at 0701-984-984 and catch us on all our social media pages at capital fm kenya remember the hashtag is financial forecast and as you set in and start your new week, take time to get your weekly report every single Monday by subscribing to www.mentoria.co.ke. 
Good day and welcome to Market Updates with myself, Terence Hove, Senior Market Strategist at international multi-brokerage firm Exynos. The week closed off with buoyant markets last week following cooling U.S. inflation both in the CPI data and PPI data. Market expectations are that the U.S. Fed is done hiking interest rates and that interest rate cuts could actually come sooner in the year 2024 as the swaps curve has started pricing in interest rate cuts in the U.S. in June 2024 compared to prior July 2024. What this means is the U.S. Fed is likely to achieve their goal of achieving a soft landing. This means the U.S. economy will likely avoid a recession. A recession in the U.S. economy would likely trigger a wider global recession. Hence, it is imperative for the U.S. Fed to achieve this soft landing narrative. Other data in the week ahead, we're expecting U.S. FOMC minutes on Tuesday. And the week ahead is going to be a short trading week as the U.S. markets will be closed on Thursday for Thanksgiving holiday. And on Friday, markets will close earlier for Black Friday. So this data is going to be crucial for the rest of November. Happy trading, trade safely, and bye for now. Ken, so tell us, um, from the reports that we've gotten from Exynos uh, Brief, they're saying that uh, the U.S. is trying to avoid a recession that is definitely always affects the rest of the world. So what are they looking at in terms of inflation? Yeah, the inflation numbers came out last week right. and uh, they're coming down very nicely. And a lot of policymakers are actually uh, proud that the U.S. is avoiding a hard landing because there was that fear that the labor market might crumble due to high interest rates. Mm-hmm. But the labor market has stabilized. So there is every expectation that from next year we might actually start seeing interest rate cuts. Now that varies from um, analyst to analyst, but right. at the very least, to expect by Q4 next year, we may start seeing interest rates um, coming down and things getting better. When you say Q Q4, you know, financial years are so different, right. and you know, for government, it's mostly. And I know we had we had a conversation about this. When you say Q4, what does this mean? At which particular period? That's a good question. Yeah. In this, we're using the calendar okay. um, quarter. So yeah. we expect from September to uh, December next year. Next year. We might see the first interest rates. Although there are some analysts who are saying it might happen sooner, mm-hmm. uh, possibly by Easter. Yeah. Uh, but these are expectation that we've peaked interest rates. And the only way now forward is um, south. So we're anticipating that we're going to get some sort of relief. Because I think I, I also read um, it was... Also, was it the U.S. at, uh, sorry, it actually said that we anticipate that not only the dollar, but all these um, international currencies are likely going to like kind of like drop. But does that mean when they drop, it is the same here or is that on their side? Yeah, so typically what's been happening is when interest rates go up, yeah. um, the dollar, for example, strengthens. And that's why we've been seeing the capital flight from Kenya, from Africa. All those foreign investors right. are removing their money to go and chase higher yield. Mm-hmm. Now, when we start seeing interest rates coming down, yeah. we might see now those investors coming back to our local markets, our stock market, um, to continue 
with the activity they the had. Activity. So it, it would be good for our local market. It will also be good for our shilling because we might see um, a bit of the dollars coming back to the market. So in terms of even a, uh, the projection on the exchange rate, yeah. I don't think we'll see what we've seen this okay. year in terms of a very steep decrease. Yeah. I think we might find more stability, okay. uh, more likely from the second half of the year. Of the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, does that tie to most of the financial indices are on a decline? Uh, would that have anything to do with I don't know, they're, get, they're, they're getting into holiday and, you know, we're expecting to eat a lot of turkey on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'll be around, but we have to look for turkey on Thursday. <laughs> Is that it? I'll definitely look for you for <laughs> that uh, Thanksgiving turkey. It's right. actually becoming more and more recognized here in Kenya. I know. Much more than in the past. Yeah. Uh, but obviously... Um, the holiday season is a big thing mm -hmm. in the United States and we like to see a lot of spending. So I think there's a bit of profit taking right now okay. ahead of the holiday season uh, and what that will do in terms of um, expectations. But also some of the big earnings mm -hmm. coming through, I think also will drive sentiment, the likes of Microsoft really announcing. So I think those will drive particularly okay. the likes of NASDAQ. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much, I think the story, uh, I think the big thing is um, the fears, particularly in the U.S., have receded okay. and people are starting to see a more optimistic. It's a bit different for Europe. I think Europe uh, still, still is uh, struggling a bit, yeah. uh, but I expect any pause in interest rates will be very, very welcome. Um, coming closer home to Africa, and we are still talking about inflation numbers, I think um, one thing we saw is that Nigeria, their inflation numbers are still quite high. So and we have discussed Nigeria before. Would you have um, an outlook as to why? Yeah, so it's quite contradictory. You know, we are talking about the US yeah. and Europe having low inflation levels. But when you look at Nigeria, really hitting the 27%, mm -hmm. you know, really high numbers, largely being driven by food. What I do like about how Nigeria computes its inflation is it breaks it down from rural to urban, which I think is very useful. But also, more importantly, state by state. Right. So they're telling Lego state. Yeah. Uh, this is a Lebo, okay. Kwara okay. state. And I think uh, as we start thinking about Kenya, how we compute, I think that's the future we need to look at. We need to start saying for Kenya, yes, we're at 6.9, but how is Nyandarwa different right. from Lamu? Uh -huh. So that you have more targeted policy interventions. And what's to rural versus urban? A lot yeah. of the data we have actually comes from 13 urban zones. So somebody who's out in Mandera... It might be distorted. Might, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the key things we can take from Nigerian calculation is how do we start breaking it down, making it useful? And I think even from the U.S. perspective, how they break down the household costs are much more right. in the computation. So I think from a Kenyan perspective, because a lot of people ask, why do we need to understand the global events? Exactly. And I think there are lessons we can learn here in Kenya in terms of how inflation is computed. So we understand... To what extent is purchasing power being eroded in a realistic sense? Mm -hmm. So I think those are some interesting lessons. Um, obviously, if you look at countries like Egypt, then right. the 30%. So I think it's sometimes we take it for granted we are 6%. Totally. And I remember yeah. the conversation we had on putting matters into context when we thought that our debt is usually way over. And uh, we compared it also to, to the U.S. and the amount of debt that they have. But how it is that um, they use their debt as compared to ourselves here. 
and I think also to do with uh, the prices of oil. I think we also looked at that and you also put matters into perspective. So I think that that, that discussion is always very good to to put things <laughs> in, perspective. <laughs> in perspective and to not see things uh, as um, a one-way directional conversation. Uh, in Kenya, we had a lot of support. There was a lot of conversation about the World Bank and we are considering where the government is and how this is actually affecting us you know, to the point of we can feel the effect of the government policies to our pockets. And Ken, I think I remember when we were closing our show last week, <laughs> the one thing we were all anticipating was uh, the fuel prices. And my prayer was that they can maintain the price, which they did. Uh, I think it was a good relief. But, see, government needs to be able to fund its activities and right now they're at a deficit. So they reach out and they get, you know, funds from the World Bank. And we know there are terms and conditions as we sign on that dotted line. And some of these effects have, uh, some of these, you know, monies that we get have conditions. How are, fe- how are we feeling those conditions in the market? Yeah, the conditions are quite uh, are pervasive mm. in many ways. First of all, um, if you look at the budget uh, report, the budget report and outlook paper, right. which was published uh, last Wednesday, um, it sets out clearly that the government is on an aggressive revenue mobilization, right. and part of this is tied to possibly the biggest conditionality that our tax uh, revenue to GDP needs to be about fifteen percent mm. with the World Bank. I think right now we are at fourteen point three. Um, our partners in East Africa about 13. So the World Bank is very clear we need to do at least 15% because they are pointing to South Africa that's about 25% uh, to GDP. Uh, Namibia it's about 28%. So there's an expectation that Kenya can generate more revenue which is fine because Kenya has the potential. I think the only problem is how it's being done. Exactly. And I think the way it's being done it's been loading what we call consumption taxes, VAT right. on literally everything. The problem with that is it can backfire. When you load consumption taxes, people change their consumption behavior. So if you, was, if you add it on fuel, right. 16% on fuel, and my fuel becomes very expensive, you'll find fuel consumption actually goes down. And it that's has a statistic you saw, totally. 12%. Yeah. So I, I think for me, I'm in no confusion that Kenya can raise more revenue. For me, it's been how we get there because the destination is as important as a journey. journey. And I think we need to move towards more progressive taxes so that it's not really being felt at the consumption level. And I think that's the big challenge towards us hitting that target. Okay. You know, Ken, (laughs) I think further to that conversation, I'm just thinking of, you know, we've discussed the Kenyan GDP and every time we discuss it, and we know what is driving it is mainly developmental projects, which I'm sure the World Bank is very fully aware of. So if at all that is the measure that they use against the taxes, doesn't that also show a very skewed, if at all you're going to say it's meant to be this percentage, uh, but do they actually check what is growing the GDP? 
No, mm-hmm. I think that, and that's what the conversation needs to yeah. be. It needs to be aligned with how our country is producing. Totally. Because the more you're able to produce, the more taxes you're able to service. I think for them it's a blanket statement, and I think this one Very. sometimes a critique uh, of IMF or World Bank policies <laughs> that they have it's an Excel spreadsheet, and you have every country with their targets. But the reality, <laughs> because if you're in a country that's very tourism-driven yes. versus a country that's very financial services, versus a country that's very agricultural, the policies can't be the different. same. So one of the big reforms that people have always advocated for the Bretton Woods is treat each country, don't have a cookie-cutter solution. Right. Argentina is different from Chile, it's different from Kenya. True. So understand the Kenyan scenario, understand where are the possibilities for revenue generation? Because Kenya has revenue. We has? can't be able to raise that revenue, but understand the socioeconomic context upon which that revenue will be raised and the political context because some measures, particularly on fuel, right. can really set a country on fire, as you saw during the Mandamanos right. a few months ago. So they need, and that's why I think the big reforms is um, IMF needs to work with country leadership to understand what's the context. Yes, we've given you 15% targets, but in this context, how can we achieve that? Will it be on fuel? Will it be touching? Or can we look at other things that don't touch the ordinary energy mm. in a very, very direct way? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Janet, <laughs> let me ask. Today we are touching on a very interesting topic. And we are discussing women as an economic force. Right, and as we have just been talking with Ken over time, and we are still discussing GDP, we are discussing um, the effects of all this heavy taxation on our pockets. Do you think we have an untapped area that we can also say that the government probably would want to look in? as we even get into this discussion about women as an economic force? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, women are a huge um, economic contributor. Mm -hmm. But when you look at all the studies that have been done, one of the things you notice is that most countries, like say Kenya, for instance, women to men ratio is one to one. Right. But women in economic the activity yes. is about 20, 25% compared to 75% of women. Of men, men. yeah. And globally, it's pretty much the same. Twenty-five Women contribute to 25% of global GDP compared to men. Right. Yet they're involved in some economic That's activity. It. So imagine if we just let women um, leverage the economic contribution, you know, by addressing the various things that stop them. That economic contribution just grows by 10%. What does. does that do to our tax collection? It increases government revenue. In global, in large, you know, developed countries for pension contribution. Right. Uh, and matters of that. So I think we need to look at women more critically and see how we can empower them. And that, up to this bracket, huh? that is That is interesting and that is why we are going to have a very interesting conversation. And I think we can start with women in the workplace. How did we how did we get to the workplace? <laughs> right. I think we've always been there. Right. Um, when I look at any any history that I read about say in Kenya, you know, we had a vast community with forty plus different communities. Women were always involved in some economic activity. Mm-hmm. You know, some activity to 
you know, contribute to the society well-being. But when we look at the formal workplace as we know it, um, I think women started to come in towards the late 18th century. Right. Um, maybe after the Industrial Revolution. And then, you know, there were more formal structures of workplace. There was less need to be out fighting. Mm -hmm. And then gadgets came into the workplace. Like, I know one thing that brought women into the workplace was the typewriter. Right. Uh, when it was introduced in the late 18th century, then women were found to be quite useful in managing this. And so they came. And then the effects of that were tremendous. You know, certain, suddenly families are having dual income. They say growing and more people wanted their daughters to be educated, uh, wanted their wives to go and work because they could see mm -hmm. the social upliftment of these uh, families that had double income. And if anything happened to any spouse, the family still continued. So women, uh, I think it's more necessity that brought them into the workplace, but then the impact of that has kept them there. Uh, and I think still demands for them to be more involved. And coming also to their contribution in the corporate sector now now that they actually we are here uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> from that time yeah. our contribution to the economic wellness of the society and and you know just that step into corporate and because it's it it is quite a shift and looking at it I think in the context of even Africa and where we are right now, that shift and how it has, how it has affected also the family setting. If uh, and the society, let's just not look at uh, focus mostly on the family, but even bigger society. Uh, I think I think women have had, as I said, you know, most studies show that the impact of women in the workplace has been great. Um, women, first of all, are found to be more transfunctional. They tend to be more consultative, more collaborative, and they bring these skills to the office. Right? right. And many times women to be doing a role are usually as competent, if not more, uh, than men doing the similar role. But before, beyond that, women have soft skills that they bring to the workplace. Right. Uh, women are more caring. Women are more, uh, usually. Right. Uh, <laughs> women tend to be more feeling. <laughs> Uh, there are studies that show when people uh, go to a panel and they the see a woman there, right. they automatically feel like there'll be some level of fairness, wow. some level of justice. Um, and then certain attributes started to appear in the corporate sector mm -hmm. because women were there. They gave it a more human face. Uh, so th that has been an impact. But even if you look deeper, like there's a study we did, and I think we're chatting with Ken about it. Yes. Uh, the, the Institute of Directors in Kenya uh, usually does some work with the IFC on yes. corporate governance mm -hmm. and they tend to do board audits. Uh, and there's a study we did just before COVID that I found very interesting. They sampled about 40 plus uh, companies listed at the Nairobi Securities Exchange and looked at their corporate governance, uh, how they run their companies, how many women were represented, mm -hmm. uh, the composition of women versus men on the board, and their performances. And those boards that had women represented, you know, 30% and more, outperformed the other companies uh, on their bottom line. Nice. Yeah? I mean, this is a statistic. <laughs> now, that's a very interesting um, statistic, uh, Janet. And most shareholders, at the end of the day, they do care so much about the bottom line and profitability. 
and they look at any initiative from that lens mm -hmm. of profitability. Um, looking at that statistic, why don't you think more and more companies have been falling over themselves to get more if, if, it, also, if it does that direct correlation to profitability? Why do you think it's been um, the same growth rate? I would, I would imagine such a statistic should actually be supported. Yeah, yeah. Fast track. <laughs> Why do you think that's not been the case? To the board level. Mm -hmm. I think there are many challenges. Um, there are many issues uh, that slow down women from getting there. First and foremost, I think the availability pool. How many women are available vis-a-vis -vis men to take up these board roles and how many do want to take them? Uh, I think many times you find when women make it to a board position, they tend to be appointed on soon after two or three or four boards. Huh? Uh, and there are many issues. Uh, one could be the competence, um, perceived competence, because right. you know women are competent mm -hmm. and they're doing great Amazing things. things. Uh, but how many are perceived to be ready? Secondly, the pool is generally smaller than that of men. Even though you know in the last ten years we've seen the number of women to get board positions and being available for board readiness increase tremendously, right. but still falls way below that of men. And then also just coming up the corporate ladder, you know, when you look deeper, where do women start <laughs> dropping off? They drop off as early as manager level right. in most corporates. And this this is the case for Kenya, case for Africa and globally. Yeah? Right. When women reach maybe the early 30s mm -hmm. and they start to balance family issues, uh, maybe getting married, uh, maybe getting children, their corporate careers sort of slow down by their own... Uh, initiative right. or by society. Yeah. I remember my own experience <laughs> when I, 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 I say my family in my early 30s. Right. And, you know, my senior mentors, women and men telling me, hey, you might want to think about that because, you know, you probably have to slow down. Your career will probably stagnate oh, wow. at that level. And so I think the, ra the break in the ranks begins really early. And so we may want to get them all on our boards and leadership, but the pool is smaller. It is very small. And on that note, let us just take a brief break and we shall be back. Ninety-eight point four Capital FM. You are tuned into Financial Forecast, a show that delves into matters economy, finance, and money matters. Nyamburandongo, alongside Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics, and today we have a special guest, Janet Kemani, Co-Director at Levanta Africa, who has joined us. And today we are having a very interesting conversation on women as an economic workforce. Now, Janet, as you were going into the break, you were giving us more like um, your story uh, as to the challenges that women or the question that Ken asked, why do we have, if at all, we can see the productivity of women in the marketplace? And this is a report that has actually come from, you know, uh, statistics on companies that are listed 
and we can see the output is absolutely fantastic. But your point is we have seen that at some point we are going to fall off. And when I say we, I'm talking <laughs> the women are going to fall off the job market. And at some point there are certain factors that come in and, you know, family is among them or children. But also focusing on that. So other than the two things that you've highlighted and you're considering these are some of the things that I have to really think about when I'm getting into the marketplace. Are some of these questions or some of these discussions meant to be had maybe when we are getting into the education space so that, you know, these things are more holistic and we are not going to we are not going to have a scenario where uh, we are having one gender falling off. I don't know, like, are we meant to be having, like, such conversations in school? Or do we just accept that, you know, these gender roles that we cannot really just, you know, uh, think of and just identify with, if I can put it like that? Ah, absolutely. I think, I think um, we cannot take away the fact that we need strong families totally. to have strong economies. Um, and I think this case is represented fairly well mm -hmm. in the case of India. Right. Um, again, the same study we're referring to, IOD and uh, IC. It was very interesting because they had done a global comparator. Mm -hmm. And uh, at, the c at the time, they found that a lot of the households in India are run by stay-at-home moms. Okay. Uh, and working a working parent and a stay-at-home parent. Nice. And a lot of the moms were very highly educated. Mm. I mean, just picture that. Uh, a chemical engineer staying right. home with her child. Take care of the children. Uh, the way she'd supervise homework, the way she'd inspire that child, you know, vis-a-vis -vis other parts of the world where you leave your baby the nanny who, you know, with all due respect, the nannies, they do a great job. Right. But may not be as educated mm. in the way they raise that child. So, look, today we are talking about India already being wealth third mm -hmm. <laughs> greatest economy right. look how they've grown um, they have their challenges but that's one thing you can't take away women do play a great role right. and uh, we can't forget the strong communities with strong families mm -hmm. however uh, we need women in the workplace the contribution has been seen and you know the case has been made yes but i think it's a matter of anticipating these issues early on when you're getting your education and preparing for the workplace, both men and women mm. need to be sensitized about, you know, how will this play out? Let's try and imagine five years, ten years, where will you be? Um, what comes first? Is family a priority for you? Uh, so then how will you handle that? Um, you know, these conversations being had, how, how do you plan to manage? How, what will be your priorities mm. uh, when couples get married? Uh, how, you know, what are your priorities? Is it career first, is it money first, is it children, <laughs> is it, you know, uh, you know, jobs. So how do we prioritize this? And that will influence a lot of the decisions that mm. will be made. Right. But I don't think the only challenge the women have uh, in growing in the workplace or mm. contributing to the economy is only family. Right. I think there are a lot of real challenges totally. in the workplace. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know your experience, but they're, they're there. They're there. Uh, there are a lot of biases that we face. The way the corporates and the benefits are structured. Mm. You know, there's the story right now of equal pay. Right. Uh, global case, very much so the same case here at home. Um, equity versus equality. Right. Uh, and there's been a, a discussion 
heavily around equality versus equity. Where are we missing the point? Because that is always a very heated conversation. Anywhere you're going to think and hear people talking about pay, people talking about even just um, selection in terms of positions, that is a very heavy conversation. I think we had we from from where I sit I see I think a lot of decisions were made on equality right and uh, perhaps some decisions that have been made on equity okay um, but there are many things that have brought about the parities huh? uh, that need to be addressed so first let's look at equity mm-hmm. uh, we need to empower everybody to be the best they can under their circumstances hey a young mother. Uh, raising a family and trying to grow her corporate career, it's not fair to pick her up and send her off to Rwanda or to Tanzania to set up the office. Yeah. But, you know, find something uh, that brings her out. Maybe she can run the Kenya office and the other person who's more okay. uh, available to go can go. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or when she comes back, because ideally she should come back at some point. Right. How she comes into the workplace, how do we plug her in and how do we support her mm-hmm. to pick up from where she left? But there are other things that need to be addressed to just bring out the things that support the inequality, uh, like transparency. Right. If we, if, we, if we keep our salaries and the benefits secret <laughs> in our workplace, mm-hmm. definitely somebody's <laughs> going to get shortchanged. And more totally. often than not, <laughs> might be the women. <laughs> yeah. So transparency needs to be there. Financial inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of training, a lot of advocacy. Some of the issues women face, you know, in whatever work environment they are, whether corporate, whether mm. in entrepreneurship, uh, whether even in farming or agriculture, uh, is stereotypes. Huh? Uh, there's a lot of uh, attitudes that we need totally. to address right. with men and women. Yeah. Uh, how do we look at women? How do we support them? Um, how do we view them? You know, some of the things I find most interesting is when you go uh, to a to a workplace uh, in very male-dominated areas. They don't even see you as an individual. They see you as a woman. And they're like, you and the other lady. Okay. Uh, If you look at any of these biases uh, in the U.S. or in in more developed countries, they'll say the black ladies. Mm. Or the, you know, they don't see you as an individual. They see you as your group. You're you're (laughs) going to be grouped somewhere. (laughs) You're going to be grouped somewhere. Right. And of course, what does that do for you when we are looking at a promotion? It's a stereotype. Mm. You've already been lumped into a category. Okay. And your individual contribution is ignored. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, do you think, considering such biases do happen, the one thing that, I don't know, we can spin it to our benefits is that in in the day and the light of inclusion, you will need to have that woman. You'll need to have that black lady. You'll need to have, you know, all these people. Because it's also a conversation that we've had even in our national government where we say the two-thirds gender rule. So, I don't know. I think it's time we just spin it and say, you know, uh, let's take advantage of this thing. Um, and then use it to our advantage oh, yes. because I mean I I am there I am very qualified and now look there's a position that has actually opened up oh yeah mm-hmm. I think definitely affirmative action right will has helped 
it's a by affirmative action that a lot of barriers have mm. been broken know, uh, moved away and let women grow just look at uh, our own country 10 years ago when we were in the new constitution dispensation right uh, right uh, we had all these women coming mm-hmm. to parliament mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like positions as women reps was a bit strange to see that many women yeah uh but it sensitized us and the community and women themselves mm. so this last elections just 10 years later how many ran for elected office right. and how and the you know the constituents the voters were not surprised they voted for them they did so you know there's been a shift mm-hmm. in mindset there's been mm-hmm. a shift in perception uh and so i think affirmative action is important to get you know to remove these barriers But beyond that, we need to get the women right. to get there, deliver, grow, and get the men, you know, everybody in the workplace supporting the women mm-hmm. um, by just managing the issues and tailor-making a lot of uh, benefits for them. I, I mean, one of the things I also find, mm-hmm. I find very interesting mm-hmm. is that women tend to work less hours. Uh, they're more likely to part-time hours. Right. They're more likely... to be working in lowly mm. jobs compared to men. Uh so yes they're working. Right. Uh but how about if we try and empower them? Yeah, to be paid a bit more for their hours or you know giving them higher work based on their performances. Right. What does that do to the women? Uh because we we are operating on the equality versus the the equity versus the equality right. premise. Right. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. we know you have this you're dealing with these issues or you're likely to face this bias. So how about no. um we look at it differently. And many companies uh have said looking at women issues and women benefits um very differently. You're getting, you know, a lot more benefits being given to women. Uh and it, since women say getting this benefits and since they came into the workplace, they've not displaced men. Right. In fact, the <laughs> men are still there working and it's all growing. Right. That is that is yeah. good because I know um things to do with increased maternity leave days. Yeah. Uh those are now some of the conversations that we are having um maybe the four day work week um we are getting um a, an opportunity for the mothers to bring their children to the workplace yeah. Uh, yeah. which now makes it even a much more inclusive organization if i can yeah. call it flexible very flexible uh, working hours, hours. You know, uh, and flexible working hours for both men and women for yeah support they also increased uh, yeah paternity yeah increased paternity so can do you think these are some of the conversations that government needs to be having even as they're drawing their supplementary budgets and you know we'll have uh, things to do with um the women and children fund also hasla fund you know and we we also see banking products that are very tailored to women i mean considering i think for quite some time if i'm not mistaken there was a time uh women were the women population was way much higher than 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 men and i remember the banter conversation around that was now <laughs> men need to accommodate more women because <laughs> now that the the gender was way much higher but now we are at the issue is one to one i have no idea what has happened what has changed but i think it's a good thing but are those some of the conversations then 
that I need to be have uh, to be had at the national government level when we are setting our economic policies, which we have discussed quite a number of times. No, absolutely, Nyambura. That's a fascinating question, and uh, the conversations have to be anchored to the statistics. Mm-hmm. I remember when Professor Ryan came to this show and he told yes. us during independence, mm-hmm. the ratio in schools right. between boys and girls mm. was about for every uh, 118 boys no. was one, yeah. It was 1 to 118, what? the boys to girls ratio. Okay. Today, almost 60 years on, it's almost 1 to 1. So we have made progress. And even policies like affirmative action evolve mm. with those statistics. Right. And those policies are coming. In fact, if you go to some banks right now, mm. the senior management is actually more female than men. So you find even sector by sector, right. you might find maybe manufacturing less so, but in the services, yeah. absolutely. Go to the telcos and the banks, the top leadership, possibly in the C-suite. Right. Mostly. So that change is happening. I think my... When I was reflecting on the topic uh, of the day, as women as an economic force, mm. uh, we've captured women in the formal employment space. Right. But Janet brought in a very interesting example of India, right. where women are playing a role at home, mm. and taking care of children is part of building the economy. Now, the debates on how do we account for that unpaid work? Right. Is it a public good or is mm-hmm. it a private good? <laughs> you talked like a true economist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so if you go to Norway, right. the Scandinavian countries, they consider it a public good because they say if you take care of your family well, okay. Janet, take care of her family well, I take care of my family well, it all contributes to our well-being as a society. So government has to be highly involved. So they actually right. write you checks. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Norways, the Swedens. I hope the government is listening. In the US, <laughs> <laughs> in the US, it's treated more as, I guess, a private right. good. So there's a big, there's a very interesting article about Wall Street bankers. Mm-hmm. You know, they get huge bonuses very, very at the end of the year. Yeah. So there's a big debate: should they share part of their bonus with the wives? With the wives, because they are spending yeah. 16, 17 hours in the office. They're getting bonuses. Somebody Somebody's taking care of the children. Job taking care. So at the end of the year, when the bonus comes, it was a very big uh, debate. That issue of unpaid work. Right. You know, who... How is it measured? How is it measured? And how is it... You know, they say you measure what you treasure. Yeah. How yeah. is it appreciated? <laughs> and I'd love to hear from a policy perspective. If, Janet, you are sitting in cabinet, right. policy uh-huh. perspective, and you've seen this spectrum. Right. You've seen the Scandinavian countries. You've seen... Where would you locate Kenyan? What what policy would you, you know, say would work for Kenya? You know, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, approach. You know, when you think about power parity, uh, when you look at uh, societies and the power parity, mm-hmm. societies that have a large power parity, you know, the gap between generations, uh, uh, say um, the older and the younger, right. is wider, mm-hmm. or between, say, male and female, or incorporate you know authority and the those who are supposed to be under authority right the wider the gap the more you tend to find the minorities are mis not appreciated yeah uh, the narrower the gap the more um, the minorities or the less advantaged groups are taken care of 
So I like that you mm. brought up the Nordic countries. Right. Uh, if you look at the Nordic countries lead in the power parity, they've got the smallest, if at all, power parity. It's not a, it's not unusual to uh-huh. see a political leader yeah. taking public means or in the office going to okay. get his coffee, okay, okay. Um, you know, working with the people, yeah, living yeah. in the typical neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a man of the people. Right. Um, and they have a lot of women in leadership. Mm. So it's no wonder that they appreciate each other because they view each other as equal. Okay. Uh, almost equal and they say you know if you're going to take the job and you're going to be at home uh, then you need to be compensated for it because it could be any of us right. taking the back seat uh, uh-huh. or, well let me not say back seat taking the yeah. important role yeah, very of taking care hero, of the family, yes. right? and look at those societies they s- tend to be some of the happiest societies education wise um, as well education wise mm-hmm. uh, they have the best education systems True. and you know most stable yeah. uh, families and societies now look at societies where the power parity is white. It's very right. Yeah. You find women don't find their way ah. um, to these groups. They're not able to have a voice. And so this important social contribution, I don't know if it's a public good or yeah. public, <laughs> is not appreciated. And I think okay. that's where affirmative action comes. So you look and you say, look, we need our society, our families need to be taken care of. Um, so if women who could be contributing this much mm. to GDP are going to be raising families, which we know is, you know, critical for the well-being of our society. It is work. How do we support them? Okay. Whether by supporting the men uh, who are going to, Mm. um, you know, uh, support these wives, Mm. or whether by even allowing the men to, you know, flexible work so the women can do something, for their skills, or maybe um, how do we allow these women at a certain point to ease back into whatever employment? Let's well, give them loans right. uh, to go start some entrepreneurship support, put them in groups where they can get some economic activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to support them somehow. Uh, and, you know, you look at the society and you say, this is where we are at and this is how we can. One, recognizing it and two, supporting them, I think is what we need, you know, to do. Acknowledging that they're making an important contribution. And I think that's that really captures um, the thinking um, around that. So, Janet, where are we going? We've talked about the past, the present. Where do you see Kenya in the next 10 years? Uh, if we were to follow the same path we are going, right. what's your projection on Kenya in the year 2030? In terms <laughs> of where you see corporate Kenya. If you had to look into your crystal ball, just based on how we are developing um, as a nation. And what would you say are the two, three things that you think would really need to happen? I, I must say from when I started working, coming to the workplace, and now, a lot has changed, and a lot has been done. Right. So I'm optimistic. Yeah, I think, you know, we're in the right trajectory. trajectory. Right. Um, lots of changes are being done. Every time I see HR policies coming out of families or of companies, right. you know, I'm more, in- <laughs> more impressed and uh, pleasantly surprised. Now, when you look at this, you know, the women loans, loans being made available to women, the improvements in maternal health care, the many benefits coming out, I think, you know, we're on a good path. Right. But I think we need to accelerate that path. Yeah, I think, you know, we have the knowledge, we have the skills, we have the women, we have the agency mm-hmm. uh, to improve our economic uh, well-being, to make better <laughs> grow our GDP. Right, right. So I think we need to accelerate it. And so there's more action needed. Mm-hmm. There's more urgency um, in moving these policies and actually making sure that these good policies and right. systems that have been put in place are actually effective, uh, both in the public sector, in the private sector, mm. in the informal sector, uh, by improving women. And some of the areas I think at the top of my mind yeah. is 
healthcare. Okay. You know, if we improve women and mm. reproductive healthcare, I like women to get access to, you know, good, you know, healthcare. We then have women working more, contributing more, raising healthier families. Right. Uh, we grow our GDP. Yeah. Uh, the education, I think we've made a lot of strides. Now, we how do we support we the women yeah. to use these skills? Uh, are we doing it? Yes. Are we doing enough? I don't think so. Right. Women are still left out of the brackets. Huh? Yeah, and considering, uh, well, the largest population, our median, I think, is 19 years. So we have, in terms of education, you say we've made strides. So I can guarantee you, in by the time this whole group of people are coming into employment, we'll be talking about one is to one. And we shall be having such conversations in that we do not want this woman to be left or to fall behind because they are going to be contributing 50% of that economy that is actually growing. Uh, so I think... Some, those are healthcare is definitely one of the things that we are going to be talking about, and I think as you as you continue saying some of the highlights that um, the policies that also come are meant to be factored in into the employment. So other than healthcare, you were saying um, any other? Ah, yeah, I think in the financial mm. uh, inclusion inclusion right. conversation, mm -hmm. we need to look at women more critically. Mm. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of you know loans and support okay. groups available to women. Right. But I think more can be done. Mm. Um, I think just working with women to see, you know, how do we support them? Like, you know, one sector you pick, agribusiness. Right. A lot of women are involved, but they're involved at the low paying level. How do we uplift them? How yeah. do we support them even more? Through education, through loans, through mentoring, um, the tech discussion. Yeah, the discussion <laughs> we're having earlier. And energy, yeah, energy, we actually yeah. talked about that. Uh, energy is a big one. Right. Uh, it's, you know, sustainability. Energy mm -hmm. is a factor of sustainability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, women don't make the decisions of the household use on energy. It's perceived to be one of the capital uh, <laughs> decisions that they will make yet that and, they use And it. we are the ones who are uh, using. <laughs> we are yeah. The, yeah. And then beyond that, just the various aspects of energy, whether mm. it's solar, whether it is uh, e-mobility, just right. bringing women to that conversation. Um, will then empower them more okay. and you see this strides being made. Yeah, you know, when I reflect on this conversation, one of the things that uh, comes up a bit is my reflection on what's happening in the US right now. You have Jimmy Carter just lost his wife. Mm. He's 99, she was 96. Oh, wow. They were married for 77 years. That. Successful family and business life together right only last year the uk lost its queen yes and she was head of state till 95 oh, yeah. yeah so janet when young people are looking for these mentors people who are doing their work in their 90s do we have enough of those mentors here in kenya i think they're there mm -hmm. i think you know mentors are there and how do we find mentors right um i think it's a two-way mentors find you uh you also find mentors so you reach out to a lady you admire, a gentleman you admire. That's one thing men can do in the corporate space. Mm. Mentor young women yeah. uh, and support them in their careers to come up. Uh, in business, you know, in society. Uh, so mentors definitely are there. And then I always say there's also the distance mentoring. I think that's why books are written. Yeah, You read biographies. Um, 
you learn from them. You learn True. from uh, Jimmy Carter's wife. Mm-hmm. You learn from the Queen. Uh, her biographies have been written, and that's mentoring in an aspect. So mentors are there. Uh, we need to ask for it as women and even men on how we can improve our society. Right, Janet. That is so much insight. Where would we find Janet Kimani? <laughs> <laughs> Janet is at Lavata. Right. Uh, we do corporate communications and reputation management. Mm-hmm. We work with clients to grow their businesses. Nice. Um, one of the things we do is reputation management and business development. I love that name, Levanta. How did you think about it? <laughs> Levanta. Levanta is a wind. Mm-hmm. It's a wind that originates from Africa, uh, in North Africa, towards um, Europe, across the Gibraltar. Oh. And the Levanta is a season, you know, like the season of the monsoon. The, the season of the Levant is a season of change. It's a tough time, but after change, you know, you'll be different for it. And when people prepare and anticipate the season of the Levant, knowing it will be a change that comes through. So. Our aspiration is when you interact with Levanta, you'll be changed. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll not be blown away. No, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> when I look at the weather in Nairobi today, yeah. I really feel it's a season of the Levant. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. such. But uh, thank you so much, Janet. It's been a pleasure having you. So much wisdom, so much inspiration. Um, what would be your key parting shot to your audience today? Oh, well, uh, I think the case has been made for women. Right. Um, you know, as a source of economic uh, advancement. Huh? And a lot has been done. When women came into the workplaces, you know, we said they didn't displace men. Right. In fact, they contributed to that. Um, so I think we need to embrace that more. And to do that, we need to address the things that are, are limiting their growth. Mm. Uh, and workplace here is not just corporate, it's yeah. the entire workplace. So we need to look at gender equality versus equity in society. Mm-hmm. How are we supporting them? I think we need to look at how we can help them grow their economic development through looking at their case for case and supporting them with all the various fields, financial inclusion, education. And also I think the biggest is a shift in attitudes. Um, We need to appreciate women for women. Totally, totally. And so that if we shift our attitudes and support, you know, bring them in, mentor them, uh, work with them uh, and their individual circumstances, then definitely we'll see women contribute more and have them as economic progress. And economies grow. And economies grow. Nice. Janet, that is fantastic. We shall continue this conversation on our social pages. And even you can connect with us on our WhatsApp line, 0701984984. Janet, we are appreciative of your time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the wisdom. We come to the end of our financial forecast on this beautiful Tuesday evening. You can catch this in every other episode of Financial Forecast on our Capital FM SoundCloud page and anywhere you get your podcast from. Financial Forecast is proudly sponsored by Exness. Exness is the world's largest retail broker and now licensed in Kenya. Trade Forex, gold, oil, stocks and, and indices online, all from the palm of your hand. And with Exness app, you are... Uh, you can get the XNES app from Google Play and Apple Play Store. And uh, XNES is proudly licensed by the Capital Markets Authority to provide you with the security that your funds are safe and accessible 24-7 with free deposits and withdrawals. And remember, only locally licensed brokers can ensure your money is safe. I don't think I can emphasize that enough, Ken. <laughs> don't you think? 
<laughs> you can register at www.exness.ke and through the Exness apps today and join over the 500,000 traders worldwide. And I think uh, by the time we are coming for the show next week, I will be plus one. <laughs> uh, and trade with an age with Exness. Terms and conditions do apply and have a good, wonderful evening and week ahead. 70 record closing highs so far for the day. Blasting through a ceiling. In a record-setting IPO. Investors who have been riding the wave. When the stock market is booming, we're made to believe the economy is booming. But the stock market goes, so goes the wealth and the health and economy. So what exactly is the stock market measuring? <laughs>